0: Welcome to episode 13 of the PensCast. Lucas Wester here with you once again on Tuesday, June 13th, 2023. Usually I record these on Mondays, but I was away this last weekend and wasn't able to do it. And I just got back earlier today, well, earlier Monday, but I was tired and I had other things I had to do. So I'm actually recording this at midnight Tuesday. So It was Monday, just a half hour ago, so if there's any news Tuesday morning, afternoon that I may have missed, not saying I anticipated, but if there is, you understand why. This isn't going to be a terribly long episode, I don't anticipate. There's not a ton of news that's happened this past week. Obviously, we're inching closer and closer to the draft, to a Stanley Cup being awarded, obviously free agency, awards, all that off-season stuff that we get once the season wraps up. So, not too much to talk about. There have been some rumors and some little tidbits that have been thrown around in regards to the Penguins. I feel like there's a lot more that's being thrown out about other teams than the Penguins. So, um, you know, we'll brush up on some of that stuff too. But I do want to mainly focus on Penguins because it is the Pens cast for crying out loud. First thing I want to talk about that came out this week was... um, Everyone kind of anticipated that the Winnipeg Jets were going to have to tear this down and, you know, break up their core. I know a lot of the airwaves have been taken up with Toronto Maple Leafs core, you know, trade rumors talk, especially over the past few weeks and past months since they got eliminated. But for years now, it seemed inevitable that this core that they've developed in Winnipeg is at the very least not capable of bringing playoff success or you know much success at all to that team and it seems as though it's also been a very toxic environment it's been reported over and over that the guys on that team just make it kind of almost like a living hell for uh, their teammates there and there's a lot of egos and a lot of power struggles there within the locker room it made Paul Maurice the former head coach of the team you know quit and basically lose his love of hockey until you know he rejoined the Florida Panthers and took them on a run like, like few have ever uh, you know seen. But it seemed inevitable that this you know thing couldn't go on much longer. I thought last year they were gonna do it, but now it seems as though it's going to really be done. And if you look at all of the you know uh, insiders and whatnot for the NHL, all the top trade lists, trade boards involve you know, the top three or four names are all Winnipeg Jets because they do have a lot of high powered talent at the top of their uh, lineup. It just seems collectively it's just a bad, you know, mix and it's not going to work out. The one uh, that seems inevitable and has seemed inevitable since he got there was Pierre-Luc Dubois, the former uh, Columbus Blue Jacket that they acquired in the Patrick Liney trade, uh, as well as Jack Roslevic they sent in order to acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois. He basically he's made it known for since he got there, even whenever he was in Columbus, that he has little intention to remain a Winnipeg jet or at the time a Columbus Blue Jacket for a long time because his plan is to become a Montreal Canadian. He's from Quebec, he just was his childhood team, and it's his right, once he becomes an unrestricted free agent, to make that decision on his own. And it and, you know, more power to him. But He has kind of strong-armed every organization he's been a part of, and forced his way out in some unorthodox methods that can definitely be seen as you know selfish or um, you know just just bad overall bad. It's very disrespectful, I think, to the fan bases of Winnipeg and Columbus. What he's done; those are two markets that do have a hard time attracting players generally, and the. Both of them had Pierre Luc Dubois, who at his best is a very talented, uh, unique player with a unique set of skills. Power forward, strong, bigger guy who can put up a lot of points. Um, yeah, he. It just. It's. It's. I don't like the way it looks optically. I think it's terrible. But it seems as though he's going to be on his way out, likely to Montreal. But there have been some other some other suitors. I heard L.A.'s in there. Another one was Mark Shifley. Very, you know. Good center. I think he was the first draft pick with the new team whenever they relocated from Atlanta. I remember him getting up on the um, draft stage when he got picked, and I think he just wore a uh, generic NHL jersey because I don't think they had the uniforms yet. It was a uh, pretty unique uh, circumstances there. Uh, he's expected to go. He's been, like I said, a part of that organization for a while there, and it sounds like you know from rumblings that people hear that he's part of the problem in that locker room, and he's probably going to go. I'm sure Blake Wheeler would also be one to go, but his contract is kind of an anchor, and uh, I don't see him any team really wanting to take him, uh, unless there's a significant retention from uh, Winnipeg, which I don't expect. But the one that pertains most to the Penguins would be uh, starting goaltender Connor Hellebuck. The American-born Hellebuck is one of the best goaltenders in the NHL and few times have such a talented goalie become available on the trade market. He has one year left on his contract. So after this next season, he will be an unrestricted free agent. And he has made it be known to the Winnipeg Jets that he has zero intention, excuse me, of re-signing there. You know, American goalie, He's going to be worth a ton of money. He's going to have the pick of the litter. Teams are going to be chomping at the bit to get him. He is not going to go back to Winnipeg. So all of a sudden, Kevin Sheveldayoff and the other f- uh, members of the front office of the Winnipeg Jets have a choice to make. Can you deal all these guys at once? Can you really recoup you know, proper value for these guys? If you you know, decide to trade all of them in the same summer... And in the case of Hellebuck, goalies are just so unpredictable. Who is going to be willing to give up, you know, a high-end piece or high-value uh, assets such as high picks or good prospects in order to get Hellebuck? And even if you know you acquire Hellebuck with whatever pieces you end up giving up, you're not guaranteed that he's going to sign. There's obviously a caveat there where the Jets could give uh, permission to other teams to talk to Hellebuck about extension before a trade, but I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen. Uh, If I was Kevin shovel day off, I don't know if I would given the circumstances that you have all these guys that want out all of a sudden, you know, I would not be catering to their needs personally, but we've established over and over. We've had episodes about this, how important it is for the penguins to address the goaltending issue this off season. At this point, I don't know what the most likely option is. We're going to get into that a little bit actually later. I have um, some lineup predictions uh, based on an article I read by Josh Goey. And um, Hellebuck is so unique. His numbers are crazy good. And he hasn't had a ton of opportunity to really flex that because the Winnipeg Jets haven't been that good in the playoffs. Obviously, Back in the inaugural year of the Golden Knights, they faced um, they faced them in the Western Conference Finals, and Vegas had a field day with them. Connor Hallebuck in the right situation, I think, could be a very good goalie and a successful goalie. I think he could win a Stanley Cup. He definitely has the talent to do so, and given his age, I think it could line up well with the Penguins problem is is that his contract is going to look something stupid I don't know if he's going to hit the Sergei Bobrovsky 10 million dollar mark but it's definitely going to be in that area it's definitely going to be in the high eights to nines range in my opinion and at 30 years old how much term do you give him do you give him four years that he's probably going to want more than that do you give him five six years I don't know if I want to give uh a 36-year-old Connor Hellebuck $9 million. Because at the end of that contract, that's what he'll be. It's such a unique situation just because of how elite he is. There are a lot of goalies available right now. Carter Hart, this past week, seems to have garnered a lot of interest. I don't know how imminent that is, but it sounds like he's going to be on his way out of Philadelphia. I don't expect him in Pittsburgh at all, uh, um, You know, just given the rivalry between those two teams. John Gibson has been talked about. I don't think the Penguins want to go that route. He's a lot of money, and he hasn't been very good in the past few seasons. Granted, on a very, very bad Anaheim Ducks team over the last two to three years. Uh, We talked about the free agents that are available. Frederick Anderson, um, Antti Ranta, Jonas Corposalo. There's RFAs available, like Jeremy Swayman, who is the drum I've been beating for months now for the Penguins to acquire. Connor Hellebuck, I don't expect to be a Penguin, but the fact that he was made available, the Penguins have been connected with him now, so that's just a rumor that uh, it's going to be talked about. I don't expect it to happen, but I think age-wise, he does line up with this core. So if Dubas is going to looking to go all in with just this core and you know can invest in the net in the now and not as worry as much about the future. I could see him maybe trying to make that deal. I don't know how it would work financially or asset-wise. I don't even know what they'd give up. I guess they would have to give up the 14th overall pick and then some. Maybe. I don't know what uh, Hellebuck's trade value is, honestly. But I think there's better options that fit the Penguins. If you looked at Kyle Dubas's two-pronged approach that, he's, that he talked about at his uh, introductory presser, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I think they're more likely to go with a younger guy. Um either a younger guy like Swayman, who can kind of merge them into the next generation of penguins and keep them good and during that time, or really invest in, you know, and dig your heels into the old thing and give an older goalie, like an Anderson, a one two year deal. Cause then that lines up perfectly, around perfectly, for whenever this group is done, and then you can you know start developing young prospects. And there's not a ton of goalie prospects in the Penguins organization. Taylor uh, Godier, I think, or uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. He was, I believe, a college free agent. I don't know what his ceiling is. Joel Blomqvist. Uh, he's uh, represented Sweden on numerous uh, n- international stages. I don't know if his ceiling is an NHL starter. I think it's definitely an NHLer. I don't know if he's going to become a uh, superstar starter, though. At uh, at this point, at least, they traded uh, Callie Klang in uh, the Ricard Raquel deal last uh, last trade deadline. So, I think they should. I think personally, my preference would be to go younger and get someone who's starter capable now and can be for years to come, many years to come, like Swayman. There's not many in that in that circumstance, but I think Swayman is a very unique circumstance there. Whereas Hellebuck is the guy who you could buy into now, but by the time your trans you're starting to come back up. So after Malkin, Crosby, Latang retire, your team's bad for a year or two while they're starting to come up, and they're trying to be good. Hellebuck's going to be 36, you know. That's just not something I see the Penguins doing. Although it's an intriguing name, and it's a high-profile name, and I obviously wouldn't hate it if he became a Penguin. But I do worry about, A, what that contract looks like, because I'm a believer that you don't give goalies you know, a ton of money in term just because of how volatile the position is. And also, just the age is a big factor. So money and age for Hellebuck, I'm not sure about. it was a shorter term deal I'd be more on board if it didn't cost us the 14th overall pick I'd be more on board but they don't have much else to offer so yeah just a little bit of news there Uh, obviously I don't expect them to be in on uh, Mark Shifley or Dubois but I just wanted to give context to the situation in Winnipeg and explain why they're looking now to deal Hellebuck probably uh, on the 32 Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman reported um, some Dubis contract news. It was rumored over the past few weeks, uh, well, I guess the past week or two, ever since Dubis was hired, that that contract that Dubis was signed to by Fenway Sports Group was a very long deal, which I had speculated before it was done it was going to be a long deal, just because they are investing for a long time in this guy they don't want it to be like a one-and-done plan where they give him two or three years to try something. He gets one shot at it, and then it fails, and they give up. They're going to give this guy full reign for a long time to completely you know, develop his plan. He's not going to be a Ron Hextall, Brian Burke, where he gets two, three years and then cut. They want him to fully be able to get a chance to put his plan in place, and it takes some time to do that. Especially with his plan to invest in the youth and invest, you know, in the future and see this thing through th- past the Crosby and Malkin era. So it was rumored that it was a long-term deal. Nothing was really brought up about it in terms of specifics until this came out. Elliot uh, said that Dubas's deal isn't the rumored seven million dollars a year over seven years as was reported. I hadn't heard that before, but that's what Elliot said. But it's a very high number uh, in terms of salary, and he does, and it's uh, it, it's basically going to increase the uh, average salaries throughout the league for other executives. So it's not $7 million, and it, I, he doesn't know if it's seven years or not. I think it probably is, but LA couldn't confirm it. <clears throat> Excuse me. But basically, this was a, a moonshot of a contract. This was one that's going to set the market for managers uh, for a long time. And what he likened it to was whenever Mike Babcock signed his deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs to become their head coach, when all of the terms came out of that deal, it was evident that Babcock got the most term a head coach had gotten and the highest salary by a lot. At that point, I believe the highest coach salary when he signed that, was in the three to four range. Mike Babcock signed for $7 million, I believe. And I think it was seven years as well. Um, and it seems like Dubis may have gotten a uh, really, really, you know, market-setting, really high market-setting deal as well. So we're never going to know. These details never get out. Just That's just how it happens. But I do like that they gave him a big deal, and he deserves it. You know he gets full reign here. He's going to be the main guy, and he does have a history of success. I know he hasn't had the playoff success. I get that. I don't like. I don't you know attribute that to his decisions. Maybe he was too patient with the core four in Toronto. That I'll give you. But the decisions he made to bring in players, most of the time, it benefited the uh, the Maple Leafs. It was his core group of players his superstars that didn't produce for him. It wasn't any of the smaller moves that he made around the team. Um, and it all, it was also reported. I forget who reported this. It may have been Dubas. I'm uh, not, but it was, it may have been Friedman, excuse me, that, uh, said essentially, well, this was, you know, all, but, you know, confirmed before, but anyways, uh, the GM is going to have significantly less power in the penguins organization than others. Dubas is, does have the final say and is essentially going to have the GM responsibilities, uh, but they're still going to hire someone he believes. I think I'm pretty sure it was Elliot that said this. It may have been uh, may have been Josh Yowie. I know Josh wrote an article about how the Penguins don't need a GM. I still think it's good to have someone, you know, in another a big name in there. You know, why not? Fenway Sports has a lot of money; they can do it. But Yes, that is that is what we're looking at right now. Dubis here long term, and he's going to have a subordinate, <laughs> a uh, GM beneath him. That's going to have less power than most GMs, but still going to retain the role and probably the uh, salary as well. So I'm sure whoever gets that job was you know going to be a okay. I'm going to take a quick commercial break here, but after that, I am going to do a little exercise here where I go through the roster player by player and uh, make some decisions here on what I expect and uh, think is going to happen this offseason for the Penguins. So yeah, quick break and we'll be back. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after assurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at Sportsbook.DraftKings.com slash terms. Welcome back. So Josh Huey of The Athletic wrote an article this past week, uh, basically going through player by player on this roster of who he expects to stay, who he expects to go, you know, and... If they're going, how is it going to happen? Is it just, is it, their contract expire? Uh, is it a trade? You know, whatever, buyout. So I would like to do the same thing. I actually went in on Cap Friendly and did their armchair GM feature, which is very fun to play with. It's basically be a GM, but uh, online. And I made what I believe is going, could, not going to be, there's also, there's some leaps here, but what I think is possible to be the Penguins lineup and roster opening night. And this, I'm going to rationalize all of these decisions real quick. You know, I don't want to spend too, too long on this because I could talk about this for hours, to be honest with you. It was very fun to do, but uh, yeah, let's go through here, starting on the first line on offense. I know there's been a ton of noise around, uh, especially in the last half of the, off, of the regular season, but even into the off season here, it's been a lot of noise about Jake Gensel. Will he be traded? Will he not be? He has one year, one year left at six million dollars. I expect him to get a pay bump um, after this uh, this you know contract ends. He's av- he's able to negotiate a extension starting July first. Um, so to like. Two three weeks from now, I don't think he's a player that's worth give, you know giving up. And if you look at his uh, Dubis' track record in Toronto, he doesn't give up on talent very easily. Whenever he has high end talent, he usually does his best to keep it. Jake Gensel is an elite skill. Uh, you know, he's a, he has an elite skill set in this league. Very very good goal scorer. From the moment he put on a Pittsburgh Penguins jersey he's produced for them he's had his ups and downs he's had some cold streaks here and there uh, but when the Penguins needed him most I like down the stretch honestly other than Jason Zucker I think Jake Gensel is one of the best performing Penguins this season I don't think that they should give up on him and sell on him I think if they wanted to they'd get a good amount for him because I think he is valued highly around the league but at the end of the day, I expect them to hold on to Jay Gensel and negotiate a, a extension. I if I was guessing, I'd say that extension would come in somewhere between seven and a half and eight and a half million. I don't know how many years he wants. It's probably up to him. He's young enough that you could probably give him an eight-year deal if you wanted to, and have him be one of those guys to kind of usher in, you know, this generation into the next one, and he could be a leader throughout that. If he wants to be. But I could also see him being the kind of guy that only wants a three, four, five year deal, so he can go and get the bag again if he wants. Or he can invest, you know, and get some security if he wants an eight year deal. I think it's completely up to him. I think the penguins would be open to anything. But I do expect him to be a penguin on opening night. And centering him will be Sidney Crosby. No explanation there. He's not going anywhere. I've seen some wild stuff. I remember I was like Last off season, I think, or two off seasons ago, someone mentioned because McKinnon is his friend that they could see him uh, in Colorado, and I think it was I don't know if it was Adrian Dater or someone else that covers the Avalanche, but someone you know added some fuel to the fire and wanted to make it a, a thing. It's not happening. Sidney Crosby will retire Pittsburgh Penguin, uh, and a story on his right side. I have uh, Brian Rust now. Like these, these lines aren't set in stone, obviously. Like I said, it was just very, just more depth chart than anything. But yeah, I have Brian Rust still on the team next season. I actually did want to trade him in this armchair GM thing, but he has a full no move clause. And you see, I forgot that. <laughs> I didn't realize that he had a full no move. I figured he had a limited no trade, maybe like a 15, 20 team no trade. I had no idea that he had a no-move clause. So essentially, if you want to move him either to the minors, which you wouldn't do, or to another team, if you wanted to trade him, you have to get his permission first. And he's been a Penguin his entire career. He was drafted. He was developed in Wilkes-Barre, and he's been a Penguin, a regular Penguin, since about 2015, 2014, I believe. I think it was 2015. Um I don't see him being willing to just up and move. He's planted roots here. He earned his contract completely. He got a six-year deal last off-season worth a little over five million dollars. And he was one of those guys out of the. There was a core of you know a bunch of UFAs that the Penguins had that somehow they were able to keep them all. In Rust, Raquel, Malkin, and Latang, and I thought of all of the ones that was you know likely to go. I thought it was Brian Rust they were able to keep him at a relatively low number because he was coming off a great uh, scoring season, but he got a lot of term and he got a full new move. And I'm assuming that was a, you know, a big benefactor or a big influence uh, in his decision to stay here. So as much as I'd be, I'd be willing to move him if I were Kyle Dubas and I was doing my arm, armchair GM. So I was willing to move him. I don't think he's going to want to be moved. And that's what it comes down to, unfortunately, because, Ron Hackstall decided to give him a full no move, so I think the Penguins are stuck with him, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think he has a unique skill set on this team. He can be, you know, a little rough and tumble, short, you know, feisty. Has some speed to him, some physicality, and has scoring touch. He has a very, you know, well-rounded skill set, which is pretty rare. So I think at his best he earns that money, it's just, it kind of sucks with the term and that new move. But nonetheless, Brian Rust, I expect fully to be a Penguin come opening night. Back to the left side, I have Jason Zucker. Now, I've seen a lot of conflicting reports this past week of people saying they really don't expect Zucker to be back. He went on the NHL Network, I believe it was NHL Network, and talked about how Basically, before he even started talking, he was like, okay, first and foremost, I want it to be known. I want to be a Pittsburgh Penguin. It's my home. You know, I've really enjoyed my time there and I'd love to come back. I, oops, sorry about that. Um, I, through doing this, I had to, you know, make some liberties on some salaries for some people. I had to just estimate what people are going to get. And his was the first I did because I wanted to make sure I had room for it. And I think this is a fair one. I actually wrote an article on uh, pro sports uh, fans, uh, relevant pro sports fanatics, because by many names, I wrote an article about what Dubas's, you know f- first order of business, uh, of business should be. First one was buying out Grandland, which I should mention, which I'm going to talk about here in a second. But the second one was to re-sign Jason Zucker. I think he's too important for the Penguins to just give up on. He talk about I know we just mentioned it with Russ but a very unique skill set in that when he's healthy and fully able to play he potential to put up 30 35 points and has the intangibles that no one else on this team possesses he's he talk about feisty that's the only guy that really defends uh, other players and himself on this team at least last season and can put up a ton of goals and is a personality He's one of the more fun players in that locker room, and it's been stated over and over. It's not me just making this up. Mike Sullivan has come to his defense and said that uh, at the podium time and time again. I think a fair deal for Jason Zucker, uh, the deal I decided to sign him to on here, was a $6 million cap hit for four years. Now, if he wanted to go out and test the market, I could see him getting... Six and a half million max, probably. I don't think he's going to get more than that. I don't think he's going to get seven, but I could see him getting like a six and a half, you know, six to five million dollar deal. Maybe instead of four years, maybe give him five years. And from the Penguins, if that's the deal breaker, four or five years, go for it. Like, I don't really care. You're you're supposed to win now. I don't think one extra year of Zucker at five million dollars is necessarily the worst thing in the world. Granted, he is injury prone. But that'll be a later problem, you know, down the down the road that Calabas can handle then, and also, the salary cap's going up, and by then, six million dollars might not look too bad. But my preferred contract for him is six million dollars for four years. I think it's fair. I could see it being a realistic contract. I don't think he's gonna get a huge bump from his previous salary. He was getting 5.5, I believe, before this. And he had his best year in Minnesota in his contract year. And then, you know, uh, kind of he was dealt later to the Penguins. But he had a lot of injury problems over that last contract. So he didn't really live up to that contract until this past season. So that's I have him being re-signed. I know a lot of people are conflicted on that and whether they can make it happen. I think they can make it happen. Uh, it should be noted, too, that actually the the team I made here, the cap space remaining is $24,000, so I really cut it close here. But I'll explain everything, and I think all the salaries I gave were fair. So you can call me out if you think I'm wrong. <clears throat> uh, second line center or second center, I have Evgeny Malkin. Another one I saw last off season. I saw that there was possibility he doesn't come back, but he's here now. He has three more years left at 6.1. I expect him to retire after that. Maybe they go one year at a time if he's still up to it. I'm not sure. But if Evgeny Malkin will be here next season, no doubt. He's the center, second line. On the right side, underneath Rust, I have Ricard Raquel, another guy like Gensel, like Rust, who's been rumored that could possibly be moved. They just signed him last offseason to five years at $5 million. You know, just a little shy of Brian Rust, and he had a great season this past season. I don't think there's any reason to move him. I think the money he's getting is uh, completely fair. I think it's completely fair, and I think if he was a UFA right now, he'd be getting a lot more than that. By the way, if you hear a humming sound in the background, uh, my air just decided to turn on just now, and I'm recording in my basement. So. Apologies about that, but there's nothing I can really do. It is 1 a.m. and I can't record anywhere else. So this is what we're going to deal with. So yeah, my top six there, I still have the same top six as last year. And I was able to re-sign Zucker 6 million four years. Now this is where it gets a little interesting and I had to take some leaps of, uh, you know, faith here, I guess. I re-signed both Drew O'Connor and Ryan Paling to the same deal. I gave them two years at $1 million dollars. I could see them getting, like, 950 I think they've earned, you know, security and, uh, you know, the promise of an NHL spot. So I gave them each, uh, you know, the $1 million. I have, for sake of things, I have both of them on the left side. So I have O'Connor and Paling, respectively, third and fourth line left wings. I think they've deserved their NHL spots. I have a lot of faith in them. They've showed a lot of promises this season more than we've seen out of young forwards on this team in a long time, probably since like the you know, Jake Gensel in 2017. So I kept them around. I don't see a scenario where the Penguins and Dubas give up on them. I kept, I keep them hundred percent. A third line center was, there was a hole I had bought out. Mikael Granlund, Jeff Carter is an on starter. He's going to be my extra forward on this team, just because I, yeah, no, um, so I signed from the Colorado Avalanche JT Comfort. I got him at $4 million uh, for three years. It's a bump up in salary for him. He was making 3.5 beforehand and he definitely has gotten more uh, responsibility over the past few years, especially this past season with the uh, departure of Nazem Kadri to Calgary from Colorado. I think JT would be a great third line center. He's he puts up gun numbers he's a bigger body and uh he's defensively responsible i think he's a very well-rounded third line center i think he'd be comparable to a jordan Stahl, maybe a little less upside at the time than whenever you know stall was still a young penguin prospect you know young guy and you know they inevitably would deal him to carolina i really do like comfort i don't know if four million will be enough to get him necessarily or three years is enough to get him I'm not terribly familiar with the Colorado Avalanche and what is expected of you know their offseason if they're expected to re-sign him or what his potential contract would be. But I took a leap there and I put uh, th- three years, $4 million for Comfer. I like him a lot. I would love him to be a third-line center on this team. I don't think there's many better options that at that price you could get. I saw another UFA center that was available was Max Domi. I would love him to be in that spot. But unfortunately, I think he's priced himself out to be the Penguins' third-line center, so. But if if he's willing to take less, by all means, come on down to Pittsburgh, Max. But I don't expect that to happen. And then on the right side of that third line, I made another signing. I signed Evgeny Dadanov who he's bounced around the league a little bit here. He was with Vegas last year, uh, from Ottawa. He was with Dallas most recently. I, he was making five million. But I expect him to get a decrease in that, just based on his offensive production. He's getting older. I have him. This might be a little too low, but you know, feel free to, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. I put him at one year for two point five million dollars on the third line right wing. Traditionally, the bottom six, especially under the Brian Burke, the Hextall era, they didn't get any scoring out of. It was very much just a void. And I think with the additions of Comfort and Dadnov. They can get a little better at that. I think O'Connor and Paling also are going to develop more and become more, you know, offensively talented. I think Dadenoff is a good guy who you can throw on the power play on the second unit if you want and also get, you know, elevate some scoring in the bottom six. Let the bottom six, li- the, you know, the third and fourth line forwards be an offensive threat when they're out on the ice. We haven't had that. And I think Dadenoff adds that element. I just hope that that money is enough because i'm not sure if it is uh like i said fourth line right wing i had paling there i already explained that one fourth line center since i put carter on the you know extras i had to sign a fourth line center i signed chris tierney who uh was a florida panther at a time i believe he was an ottawa senator he had i think 10 points in 30 games this year and uh, he had some injuries you know and, uh, and other stuff over the past couple of years i think He's, uh, he's young and I think he is a little defensively minded and obviously 10 points in this 30 games, not terrible, would be pretty good for a fourth line center for the Penguins. So I added him, but honestly, you could find a lot of people to fill that fourth line center void. You can, there may, may even be someone in the system that I don't know about that you could bring up, but that's just uh, who I signed. I thought he's a, a good depth option You know, either way. And then on the right wing, I put Alex Nylander who was already re-signed to a one-year deal by whenever Mike Sullivan was the interim. Uh, so obviously he liked Nealander. I think Nealander should maybe get an elevated role. Maybe him, he and uh, O'Connor could swap out, you know, from time to time. But uh, I think the Penguins with this forward group I've established here are going to be more capable of scoring down the lineup than they have been recently. So, um, yeah, I'm going to just go through a quick, again, quick review. We got Gensel, Crosby, Rust, Zucker, Malkin, Raquel, O'Connor, Comfort, Dadnoff, Paling, Tierney, Nylander, and Carter is the extra. On defense, Latang is the first pair, excuse me, uh, right defense. That's not going to change. The first line left defense is empty with the departure of Brian Dumoulin. I don't expect him back. I took a liberty and I got another former Colorado Avalanche, this time also a former New Jersey Devil. I signed Ryan Graves to a four-year, $4 million per deal. Uh, I don't know if $4 million is enough. He may be closer to a $4.5 million player, especially because of how um, few defensemen there are. And Graves is very unique. I think he has offensive upside, but I think he's going to be a good defensive uh, stalwart back there. His plus-minus, which isn't the best indicator of that, but over the past few years, he's also been on great teams. Um, the past few years, his plus-minus has been pretty good. I think he'd make for a good a, uh, Letang, you know, partner. So that's what I would like to see, and I think that's a pretty fair contract. Just a shy, uh, you know. $25,000 less than what Marcus Pedersen's making. And I like the player. And he's uh, 29, I believe. 29, 30, somewhere around that. So, you know, not too young, uh, not too old. I think he's in the sweet spot there where, you know, that contract isn't going to kill you in the last last few years. So, And uh, second pairing, I'm keeping Pedersen uh, on the left side. On the right side, I have Petrie. Yes, I did try to trade him. He has a modified 15-team no-trade list. And I came to the realization while trying to trade him because I wanted to open up cap space and be able to fill that with someone else. I came to the realization that most teams don't have the cap space to take him. And he has a no trade, so the teams that are on that no-trade are probably the teams that have cap space. He's not going to help the Penguins. He, he's, he just got dealt you know a year ago from Montreal. He said his first year here in Pittsburgh it wasn't terrible. Wasn't anything to write home about either. I don't see him uh, being willing to move. And I don't see any team being willing to take him that he would be willing to move to. So I think the Penguins are stuck with him. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. He has two years left at the 625 number. It is what it is. On the left side, on the third pair, I have POJ. I think he took good strides this year, uh, well, this past season not the most reliable but he had to play a lot of elevated role during the stretch there uh, whenever they're trying to make the playoffs because they were down to essentially two NHL defensemen and it was him and Latang on the top pair some the two uh, Quebec boys but um i i don't i don't hate POJ i think he uh, gets a lot of hate from this fan base and i think it's unnecessary i think he i think he can uh, develop more i think give him a chance and, um, we'll see what he's made of on that third pair left defense. And then I kind of just had to take a, you know, some, a Liberty here and put Yan Ruda on the third pair, right defense. I never liked that signing really 2.75, two more years left. It was a three year deal total and he can play both sides. So I'm putting him at right just because we have an opening on the right side that it makes sense. I don't think they're going to deal him. I don't think many teams would be that interested either, to be honest with you. But uh, I think he's just kind of guy, just kind of you know fills a spot. I don't think he's going to be extraordinary, you know, in any right. And then my extra defender I have is Chad Ruedel. So Graves, Latang, Pedersen, Petrie, Joseph Ruda, and Ruedel. You may have noticed I only have uh, twenty-two players on the roster because I have two goalies too. I'm going to get into that in a second. So essentially, the Penguins would be playing one man short on the roster of extras, which isn't the worst thing in the world because you could still call people up if someone gets injured, you know, whatnot. But, you know, not ideal. But you can't sign any player for $24,000 in cap space. So just kind of the situation I dug myself into. Um, I don't hate it. It's fine. Like, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton is not that far from Pittsburgh. So is what it is. Goaltenders, let's save this for the end here. Drum roll, please. Backup goalie, I have them keeping to Smith. He's fine. He's a backup. It's fine. Starter, I did the thing. I did what I said I was going to do. I created balance in the universe. I traded the 14th overall pick to the Boston Bruins in exchange for the RFA rights of Jeremy Swayman. I subsequently gave Jeremy Swayman a four-year deal, but it could be five. I'm I'm open to five, uh, worth five million dollars. Thing with him is, he doesn't have a huge sample size to you know negotiate off of. I think it's 88. It was regular season games played, something like that. So I don't know if he's going to be able to get a bigger number than like a five million dollar cap hit. So he may want a shorter term deal, like a three-year thing, to prove it. Uh, you know, a kind of prove it deal so we can go get a huge contract when that's over and get it soon. Or maybe he wants more security and would want like a five-year deal with $5 million, get the leanest Olmark, you know, his old buddy, get his contract, essentially. 14th overall pick is a lot for a goaltender. I mentioned it earlier with the Hellebuck thing. I don't know if that's what I'd want to, want to do. Thing is, is I have a lot of faith in Jeremy Swayman, I think he could be the answer here for a long time beyond that contract length, but beyond that uh, four years, you know, $5 million contract, he could become the next Marc-Andre Fleury of this team, you know, the next steady starter for, you know, a decade. Um, I don't know if that's where the goalie trend is going, though. It feels like goalies now more than ever are very replaceable. They kind of become, uh, in a lot of instances, the running backs of hockey. Just because it seems like every year, you know, a lot of teams are just getting new goalies and transferring them in and out. Uh, look at Vegas. Right now, they're riding Aiden Hill and Laurent Brassois to a Stanley Cup, potentially. That game's tomorrow. They could win, uh, well, I guess tonight now. They could win Tuesday night in Vegas in front of their home fans with Aiden Hill playing majority of the games uh, this playoffs. Carolina. They may not have a ton of playoff success, but they've been very much a uh, recycle, you know, like in and out, you know, revolving door situation in goal. You know, Frederick Anderson, Antti Ranta, uh, I think Kachekov might be the guy, but they've been, you know, running with, you know, one, two year deals with the veterans for a while. Toronto's done it, which, you know, gives us a little bit of context to what Dubas might do. So I know I've been banging that drum and I know I've kind of made it a bit, but I'm serious when I say I think Jeremy Swayman would make a lot of sense for this team. Hellebuck makes a little bit of sense depending on what his contract is. And I should talk, you know, I should mention 14th overall, I really do want them to make that pick. I wrote an article about why I want them to make that pick. Um, Penguins, that is, obviously. And also another thing that could become a problem with that is would the Bruins really want to trade Swayman to a, uh, you know, in the conference. I know we're not in in the division. We're not in the Atlantic like Boston is, but do you really want to have to face Jeremy Swayman potentially in the playoffs one day that you gave them? I could see that becoming an issue as well. So there are some issues I see with my plan. I, you know, I'm trying to pre-argue and get ahead of it before I hear it uh, from people. But I'm speaking it into existence. I'm just going to try to make it happen. Um, that is all I have. I enjoyed doing that little exercise. Like I said, it was fun. To, fun to do. And as much as it is fantasy, it's. I think it's not terribly far off from what could happen. There are going to be. They're going to have to be big decisions made by Dubas this offseason. And um, you know, I wouldn't hate if they moved Petrie. I wouldn't hate if they could move Ruda. I wouldn't hate. Really, wouldn't hate if they move Carter. Um, but I definitely could see, I know Dubas mentioned it. They have to make a decision on the top pair left D. They have to make a decision for basically all of the third line and most of the bottom six, other than the young guys. Um, they have to make a decision on Zucker. I think the decision should be to keep them, but that's my decision. You know, it's what's well, Dubas' decision, but it's my opinion. So that's what I made. That's the team I made just to go over one more time to give you an idea it's a, 22 roster, a 22-man a twenty-two roster. On forward, we have Gensel, Crosby, Rust, Zucker, Malkin, Raquel, O'Connor, Comford, Dadenoff Paling, Tierney, Nylander, and Carter. On defense, we have Graves, Latang, Patterson, Petrie, Joseph, Ruda, Ruidel. And in goal, we have Swayman to Smith. That's a playoff team. That right there is a playoff team. And that right there is a team that could do some damage in the East. Boston's not going to be as good as they were this year. I think Florida caught lightning in a bottle, and they're not going to be as good as they were this year. Look at the Metro teams. New Jersey played way above expectations. I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be really good moving forward. I think they're uh, just kind of reaching their potential. But maybe they regress a little more to the mean. I still think they're going to be a playoff team. The Rangers went all in this year. They're going to lose a lot of guys to free agency this offseason. We don't really know where they're going to go. The Islanders, I think they're going to make some moves here. I don't know if they're necessarily going to get better. Uh, I know Lou Lamorello, who never talks, basically came out and said he's going to be trading uh, Josh Bailey. So, you know, there's one of their forwards. uh, It's basically probably going to be gone, which, looking back, they could have just let uh, Seattle take him instead of Eberly, but okay, whatever. Um,. Who else am I missing? Well, Washington's getting worse. Uh, I like I like the hiring of Spencer Carberry, but I think that they're going to be, you know, still going to be on the fringes there unless they make some big moves, which looks like they might. I think uh, Kuznetsov's on his way out. There's a rumor uh, over the weekend that the Los Angeles Kings were looking at Tom Wilson. Good. Get him out of this division. Get him the hell out of this division. Um who am I missing? Uh, Rangers, Devils, Islanders. Uh, Blue Jackets are still going to be pretty bad. <laughs> I don't see them getting better just by the third overall pick. Is there a team in the Metro I'm missing here? I know there's uh oh Carolina. Psh, Jesus, how did I almost forget Carolina? I don't know what to think of Carolina. They have to make a decision on Aho for an extension here soon because um, I think he's a pending UFA after this year as well. But in gold, they have decisions they have to make. They have to make some decisions on defense. I think, uh, I, I think Brady Shea is available potentially, and uh, Pesci, I think. So they have some they have some decisions they have to make there, and they're always trying to penny pinch. So I'm not sure, you know, if they're going to be able to finesse their way out of this without paying some money, especially for Ajo. So the Penguins with the roster that I just came up with, I think they're 100% a playoff team. I think they're one of the top 3 in the division and I think they could do some damage in the playoffs. Ideally you get rid of Carter, but that's not going to happen. Um I think the Penguins are probably if if these the you know core doesn't regress, I think they're probably better positioned to win the following year, so 24-25 more so than 23-24. But you have Crosby, you have Malkin, you have Latang Got to go for it. You got to go for it. So that's my episode. That's episode 13 of the Penscast. That's all I have to say today. Thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Penscast. uh, Pens underscore cast, excuse me. uh, And Instagram, same thing. At Pens underscore cast on both of those. Make sure you follow me on all those as well. at, At Lucas Wester. And that'll be all. Thank you. See you next week.